0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the opposition calls for a detailed plan for vaccination distribution. All the other countries of the world are rolling out their plans. Some will be getting vaccines shortly. Canadians deserve at least to head into Christmas knowing there's a plan. Reaction to a Conservative MP's claims that COVID vaccines amount to human experimentation. That's embarrassing, frankly, and it's the type of stuff that happens in the States and we we hope that at a minimum, we all agree on basic science. You know, there is no question that one of the one of the greatest uh, achievements that we've been able to do, and to fight all the major, and we've got experts here that talked about our ability to fight some of the worst illnesses, has been through vaccination. And the government admits it will miss the March 2021 target to provide clean drinking water for all First Nations. We're making ourselves accountable. We're making future governments accountable. And while there have been many reasons for the delay. I want to state as clearly as possible that ultimately I bear the responsibility for this and I have the responsibility and the duty to get this done. It's Thursday, December 3rd. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. Good morning, John. morning, Mark. Let's talk about the distribution of vaccines, something that is increasingly just around the corner, we, we hope and presume in Canada. Uh, the opposition is calling for a detailed plan for distribution. Uh, the federal government is talking to the provinces, obviously, about how the vaccine will be rolled out across the country, what the criteria will be in terms of who gets it first. What is the latest on on a plan for vaccinating Canadians?
1: Well, I guess it's front of mind for everybody. I mean, we've seen the the UK give emergency uh, clearance for for the Pfizer vaccine. And uh, people like my mother are are in line to get vaccinated, maybe even before Christmas. So obviously Canadians are now looking at this and thinking, well, when's it coming here? It's still rather confused. I mean, uh, Dominic LeBlanc was on the uh, Sunday shows saying, yeah, it's coming in January people will get, start getting vaccinated within a matter of weeks. And then the procurement minister was on another show a couple of days later saying, nope, we're, we're looking at the first quarter. It's more likely to be uh, later in the year. And then Justin Trudeau saying everybody should be vaccinated by September. So, you know, I guess it, it does depend on where you are in the in the, in the hierarchy of of people who are going to get this vaccine. It, I mean, it looks like first responders and, and people over 80 and people in long-term care homes will be Will be the first recipients. So I guess it d- depends where you are in that list, but it's not clear to people yet, and I think it's it's uh, a matter of some concern. And I think, you know, as we've talked about before, if people in other countries start getting vaccinated, and Canadians are looking at this situation and wondering where the vaccine is in Canada, and it doesn't appear to be coming, I mean, w- we did order the whole menu of of, of vaccines. I think there will, will be plenty of vaccine available by the middle to the end of next year but we didn't pay for express delivery that seems to be what's happened you know it's a function of price when this stuff is delivered and it seems we haven't paid premium prices to get the vaccine quickly
0: and is there a plan for coordination between the different provinces and the federal government there are jurisdictional issues here obviously um, and i think there is an expectation that the same rules should apply across the country, rather than having different approaches in in each jurisdiction.
1: I think if that if those deals are being worked out, they're not public yet, and, and uh, you know people are are somewhat anxious. I mean, I've seen polls which suggest that some many people. In fact, I think there was a, a poll which suggested thirty eight percent of Canadians are quite happy to wait a little while and see how safe the vaccine is, because there are you know there are concerns that. Uh, it may not be as safe as some other vaccines. I mean, obviously, this this whole process has been expedited. There is a a CBC poll that just came out that said 16% of Canadians will not take the vaccine and 21% are unsure. You know, these are... So there's a large area of doubt, and it may be that many Canadians are quite happy just to wait to see how this thing unfolds in other countries. But at the same time, obviously, life does not get back to normal until, you know, not everybody perhaps, but at least the majority of people are vaccinated. Yeah, And it does seem like it's going to be in the middle of next year before we're in that situation.
0: Speaking of the safety of the vaccine, Conservative MP Derek Sloan, a former leadership candidate who provoked some controversy with his, his positions during the leadership campaign, said yesterday that uh, the uh, the speed at which these vaccines have been developed and the fact that uh, they have not been tested the same way in some cases as other vaccines would be, uh, that that amounts to human experimentation, and he issued a statement around that. What do you think about that, and what risk is there uh, for Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole and the Conservative Party that, that Derek Sloan is making that kind of, of comment?
1: Well, this came from a petition um, which he introduced sponsored in the House, Uh, you know, petitions are legitimate democratic tools. Although this was not from a constituent, quite often MPs will introduce petitions that they may not even agree with. You know, as I say, I mean, I think the the weight of evidence is clear that that a vaccine is a good thing. But as I mentioned, I think there are going to be a sizable minority of people who are concerned about it. Um, Not a good look for the Conservative Party. I mean, if you're trying to win over... You know, the majority of people, voters, you don't really want this type of thing to be happening. But I think it's a legitimate thing for Sloan to, to do this. I mean, some people are saying, should he be kicked out of caucus? Well, you know, that's kind of ridiculous. People are allowed to have different opinions. You know, there is a sizable minority of people who are concerned about this particular vaccine. Some are concerned about all vaccines. But this particular vaccine has been pushed through pretty quickly. People are concerned about it, and to paint them as deplorables and to paint that opinion as unacceptable is not helpful, I don't think. You know, Sloane is, a, is, a, is an individual. He's going to be uh, a burr under the saddle of the Conservative government, it's clear. But Erin O'Toole realizes he only won the leadership because of Sloan's Sloan supporters and Lesley Lewis's supporters. So I don't think we're going to see any action against Sloane. But again, you know, from, from a conservative point of view, they could probably
0: do without it. All right, let's turn to the government spending bill, uh, rising from the fall economic statement that Finance Minister Christia Freeland introduced on Monday. It is a confidence motion. Uh, the, the Prime Minister has said he doesn't want an election. He doesn't, he's comfortable with it being a confidence motion that it should be, but he doesn't want it to trigger an election. How do you see this playing out?
1: I don't know whether he doesn't want an election. I mean, the polls are pretty consistent that they're on the verge of my majority status. So if we did go to the polls, the Liberals are looking pretty comfortable. At the same time, there are some imponderables out there. For example, vaccine. You know, if the vaccine situation deteriorated and suddenly the government is not well regarded by the electorate as a result, that's a bit of a gamble. You know, you've already triggered an election over this confidence motion. I don't suspect we'll get there. I mean, the, the, the prettiest love story in Canadian politics of, of late has been the one between Trudeau and Jagmeet Singh. You know, Singh, the elite NDP leader, keeps protesting that not enough money is being spent, but when push comes to shove and, a, and we go to a vote, the NDP continually backs the Liberals. And if you look at this the bill we're talking about, this is not the whole economic statement. So you don't need to agree with everything that was in there to vote yes for this for this bill. It's a spending bill, and part of the spending is on increasing child benefits. There's a whole bunch of other spending measures that they, I think the NDP would find very hard to walk away from. So, you know, once again, we have the scenario where the NDP would be propping up the Liberal Party, trying to claim credit for some of the, the spending measures, but I think people are not buying it. People, you know, if you... If you want these spending measures, then vote Liberal, you know, and if you want more of them, keep voting Liberal, because it looks like we've got another $100 billion worth of spending coming down the pipe, and voting NDP doesn't get you them. So, you know, the 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 very kind of existence of the NDP seems to me to be rather tenuous at the moment, as the Liberal Party keeps moving leftward.
0: All right, let's talk about the fact that the federal government has acknowledged now that it will not be able to meet its objective of uh, delivering safe water to First Nations communities by March two thousand twenty-one. Uh, what does that mean in terms of the government's relationship with Indigenous peoples? And and I know for a lot of uh, a lot of members of First Nations and their advocates, uh, this this means another uh, uh, broken promise and another example of how this is just not a priority to government.
1: Well, I think that the one saving grace for the ndp that i was just mentioning is that while the liberals have many of these grandiose promises that that, that kind of fall into the ndp's turf uh quite often they don't deliver on them and, and if i was saying that's the, the point i would just be hammering home time and again and this is another one you know i mean in 2015 the prime minister was on a the shoal lake reserve hauling jugs of water around saying this is a specific promise all long-term boil water advisories will be lifted by the end of March 2021. You know, no great surprise for anybody who's been close to this file that it it hasn't been met. You know, there were 105 long-term boil water advisories in 2015. 97 have been lifted, but then they found another 59 cases. You know, I think, to be fair to the government, to be fair to this minister, it's not a problem that he created, Mark Miller, and he went out and accepted responsibility for it, which is which is um, probably more than he should do. I mean, it should have been the Prime Minister who went out there and said, look, I made this promise in 2015. We're not going to meet it. I think there's some good has been done by this. I mean, I I talked to people at the time who said, look, if we hadn't done this and made this commitment, it would be 2030 before we got rid of all these boil water advisories. So there has been, it's it's focused the mind of the government. It's focused the mind of finance ministers when they've gone to make budgets that, that there should be money in there for this, Boil water advisory uh, issue. So I think that it's all is not lost, but it does it does just highlight another case of the Liberal government making sweeping promises that they then failed to meet. And we've you know <laughs> we could go on and on about uh, electoral reform and various other things that didn't come to pass. And uh, you know I think they're they're victims of a, a very specific and overly ambitious platform in 2015. That allowed people to point back to the fact that they didn't meet many of those promises.
0: All right, John, I appreciate your insights on all these topics. Thank you very much for joining us today.
1: That's great, Mark. Thank you.
0: That's John Iveson of the National Post. Albertans are demanding to know
1: how he is making his decisions, with what information. Will he release that information? And if not, why not?
0: Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Observer... Max Fawcett argues Jason Kenney's faith in personal responsibility is no match for Alberta's COVID-19 surge. Fawcett writes, At a moment where the situation clearly calls for a show of political resolve, Albertans are getting the moralizing of an ineffectual parent. Kenney is not alone here. For conservative premiers across the country, protecting the freedom to do business seems more important than preventing the spread of a deadly virus. The problem with that approach is that the virus doesn't believe in personal responsibility and its spread is an even bigger threat to people's livelihoods than any short-term shutdown. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues that under cover of COVID, the world is going backward on climate change. The Star writes, It's clear that among all its other harms, the pandemic has seriously set back progress on climate change. It has hijacked public attention and massive resources, for quite understandable reasons. The Trudeau government says all the right things about making sure we build a greener economy post-COVID, but progress is slow. Job one for the government must be defeating the pandemic. But it's clear that action on the climate is badly overdue. At Policy Magazine, Ian MacDonald considers the new Canada-U.S. dynamic. MacDonald writes, As the late politician Robert Thompson once said, the Americans are our best friends, whether we like it or not. And it starts with the relationship between the President and the Prime Minister. Joe Biden will have the opportunity to make enduring change. And for Justin Trudeau, Biden's inauguration presents a major opportunity for Canada to be there with him. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Today is Opposition Day in the House of Commons, and Max Martin tells us, the Conservative motion being debated will focus on COVID-19 vaccines. Mark, the Conservative motion zeroes in on what has quickly become perhaps the most intensely scrutinized and certainly the most politicized aspect of the Trudeau government's handling of the pandemic. is procurement, approval and distribution of vaccines against covid MPs will debate and eventually vote on a motion which calls on the government to table before next Wednesday a report on how each type of vaccine will be stored and delivered to Canadians, the start date and anticipated rate of vaccinations of each vaccine, and which groups the federal government intends to prioritize. Mark, all of this comes as the House of Commons approaches its last sitting days, as it is expected to rise for the holiday recess late next week. Thanks, Martin. Also today, Small Business Minister Mary Ng will take part in a discussion with Canadian entrepreneurs and industry leaders. And Fisheries Minister Bernadette Jordan will take part in a virtual panel discussion about Canada's domestic blue economy, hosted by the Ocean Frontier Institute. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, December the 3rd. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.